You're listening to Health Call Live, the area's only live local interactive radio hour devoted to you and your health. Watch the video live stream on the Health Call Facebook page and call us with your questions at 447-1190 or toll free at 800-333-1190. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Well, good morning. So glad to have you with us again. I just realized this is the start of our third year of the program, and uh, I am just so happy to be part of your Saturday morning. Whatever you're doing, you're up and around, taking a shopping, mowing the lawn, however you're enjoying the program. So glad that you are here, and I really appreciate you making it possible. You know, America's relationships with guns seems to be at an inflection point right now. We had the Supreme Court just this week making their ruling about making guns more available or uh, be the ability to carry a gun, shooting down a law in New York City that affirmed that right in July here in Indiana. We're going to be going to a, a new way that you no longer have to have a permit to carry a weapon in a concealed fashion. So, those are some big changes. It comes as Congress is moving forward with um, already having the Senate moving forward on some plans to try and change the rules and the laws. Congress is going to vote on all of that following the shooting down in Texas and in Buffalo. And so, while the politicians are going through all of that debate, we're stepping away. Because in hospitals around the country, when somebody pulls a trigger and a victim goes down, it falls to the emergency room staff to take care of that patient. And the politics at that moment don't matter. They have a different priority. And that's where we're going to be spending time today. We're going to be talking about what happens when a gunshot victim hits the emergency department door. We have two ER docs who are joining us. Dr. Dan Elliott is the president of the Indiana chapter of the American College of Emergency Physicians. And here in the studio with me is Dr. Tyler Johnson, who uh, is an ER doc treating patients at Parkview Hospital here in Fort Wayne. Good morning, Doc. Morning, Lee. Uh, you just came off shift. What happened overnight? Yeah, it was a, a long night of work, seeing patients, and uh, pretty busy downtown here, Fort Wayne. So, um, a lot going on and a lot, a lot to see. And did you have a gunshot victim come through? Um, like most weekends, there, there's at least uh, one gunshot victim that comes through. So, you know, there's um, we have that happen, and you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate that it does, but we're there prepared to go go when we need to go. Uh, maintain all the HIPAA requirements, and don't tell me anything you shouldn't. But uh, what's the story? What happened? Yeah, somebody. Um, it seemed like a, a random shooting initially, and so those those do happen. And um, just out of out of generalities, you know, somebody gets shot out in the community, EMS and goes and gets them. Police are involved, and um, you get a little bit of a heads up of what's going on, and so you can uh, be ready for it. And thankfully, this this person, you know, ended up doing okay. But it. Uh, it really is. Uh, it's scary for them when it happens, and we'll, we'll probably un- unpack that a little bit more. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to talk about that. So, you said that the uh, EMS gives you a little bit of a heads up. Do you know what do you know about that patient before they arrive? Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of times that we don't know. The patient either gets you know kind of dropped off or dumped off by friends at the door. But thankfully, a lot of times we have some heads up of what's going on. EMS and police give us a little bit of leeway ahead of time. So as that 911 call goes out, we're already knowing kind of what is being talked about or told. And so we get a little bit of a heads up from police and how that's going and the condition of the patients. So we know what assets and resources to have available when they hit the doors. And so what's the first thing you do when that patient arrives? Yeah, when they get to the emergency department, we have a whole team of staff. You know, it can be 20 people waiting in a trauma bay. Um, it's a big room, bigger than the studio we're in now, and it's uh, 
pretty big area, and you know you have trauma surgeons and ER docs and. Uh, ER nurses and a whole crew of folks ready to go. And so getting that report from the medics to the staff is the most important thing initially. And then we go through a whole process of getting the patient exposed to see where everything's at and, you know, preparing them and finding out what the emergent needs are. You know, do they need a airway or do is there bleeding that needs stopped right away? There's a whole process that we go through. We'll talk more about that in just a second. We also, as I mentioned, have uh, some time with Dr. Dan Elliott. And I talked to him and asked him, hey, Doc, so what happens if what we see on TV and in the movies, how accurate is that? How much of that is real? Well, I think, honestly, you know, it's anxiety producing, but it's not as crazy as they say. <laughs> There's not, a, not usually as much blood. Um, you know, it's a little more... Um, controlled, you know, I personally try to keep the room controlled because I think if people start getting worked up, you start freaking out, then you make mistakes. And so, you know, a good emergency room, even in a bad trauma, I think, you know, it needs to be quiet. It needs to be controlled. We need to be kind of just going ABC, working through our processes. And most of the time, I think that's how it's run for most uh, physicians. And I think that's the best way to do it, but obviously drama is best for TV, and so they always make it a little more dramatic. Yeah, my wife wanted me to ask, do you ever frantically cut away the clothing? Is that something that Hollywood's created? So we definitely, um, we, we do, we will frantically, if it truly is somebody that looks like they're about to die, because honestly, um, you know, one thing that we're doing in that initial assessment, besides the initial A, B, and C is, completely taking the clothes off. I mean, that is something we do, you know, because even if they have one gunshot wound that you can see, especially if you don't know how it happened, you want to make sure there's no other wounds that you're missing. And so completely undressing a patient, you know, obviously modesty as best you can, but in a, in a medical setting, we're trying to, you know, make sure we're not missing something that could be potentially life-threatening. And so we do from time to time, you will, uh, unfortunately, if you are a firearm uh, victim, you may uh, may get your clothes ripped off because we if we don't want to mess with trying to un unbutton everything. And so we will, uh, we will use our shears to cut them off depending on the severity. Again, that's Dr. Dan Elliott. He staffs some emergency departments in central Indiana. Okay, so in the studio with me is Dr. Tyler Johnson who uh, staffs here at Parkview. Uh, so I'm lying naked on the table. Are patients typically writhing in pain? And then can you do anything for them and immediately to get them through that moment? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's not good to be shot, right? Like it's going to be painful and depends on where it's at and the condition of the patient. Everybody tolerates it a little bit different, but it's uncomfortable. So we do focus on pain control and getting them comfortable. And as Dr. Elliott really said very well, we try to keep a calm room and, you know, making sure the patient's not hysterical or uh, uncomfortable in that moment is actually very important in that. And so we we do focus on that. There, He mentioned there is a whole process we go through first, but uh, part of that is making sure that the patient is comfortable in that scenario. Um, there's a, you know, there's kind of a process we go through, and as we're getting through that, uh, which takes minutes, um, then we do try to get the patient with pain medicine or kind of sedatives and those kind of things to get them comfortable. Give me an idea of what you see in these patients. Do you talk to them much? Are they, I mean, if they're severely wounded, I'm assuming they're not talking with you, but otherwise, how much interaction is there? What are you trying to get out of them? Yeah, you are right. The The more injured you are, the less likely we are to talk. We just go into action. And um, But there are patients that, you know, there's a lot that happened and it can be very traumatic. 
problematic, right? And then there's some people that don't want to talk to us. Um, and so there's it's interesting to talk to people that um, the surprise of getting shot or the scenario that they you know they were under or um, you know it does happen that it's a random act occasionally, um, but most of the time there's a scenario or a story behind that. Are they typically how many people are shot more than once? Um, it's probably at least half that we see have half. have multiple gunshot wounds because wow. um, when somebody's shot at, they're shot at multiple times, and so um, it's not usually people are just trying to hurt, harm you or just hurt you. Um, people are trying to kill somebody a lot of times with firearms, and uh, accidental shootings tend to be a singular shot. Um, but uh, you know when somebody's being Attacked or, or shot at, it's it can be multiple gunshot wounds. Is the bloodiest wound often the most dangerous? Um, immediately, if we see where the bleeding is coming from an extremity, those can be very bloody, but those aren't necessarily as dangerous because we can usually stop the bleeding in an extremity wound. When um, Dr. Elliott was even saying, there's not always as much pink. Um, and if you get hit in the torso or the stomach, uh, those wounds don't bleed as much because all that bleeding is on the inside. And so those can be a lot more dangerous and they just frankly aren't as bloody. We have more time here with uh, Dr. Tyler Johnson. He's live in the studio. If you have a question for Dr. Johnson about what happens following gunshot wound, emergency room procedures, love to hear from you at 447-1190. You can also send a text to 46862, and then I'll put that question here to Dr. Tyler Johnson as we talk more about what happens after you are the victim of a gunshot. It's next on the Health Call Live Radio Hour on WoWo. This is Health Call Live. We're glad you're listening, but don't be afraid to call and ask your question on the air. It's free, non-invasive, and best of all, you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. And we're back to our discussion of what happens when a gunshot wound victim hits the emergency room door with Dr. Tyler Johnson. He is staffing the emergency rooms here at Parkview. And then also uh, also some comments from Dr. Dan Elliott, who is uh, working in the ER down in the Indianapolis area. So, what's different about uh, the experience that you're having here versus the major cities like Chicago, where I didn't check the stats just last night, but earlier this week, there had already been 14 people shot. Yeah, and, and when you look at the numbers, just the pure numbers, there's, there's no comparison to a city like Fort Wayne. Uh, you really should feel very safe in a city like ours. Um, but there are places in the United States where you know emergency departments are gunshot wound after gunshot wound. If you're having 14 gunshot wounds in a weekend or even in a day, um, imagine those coming through the emergency departments. And so there's a lot more activity there. Unfortunately, there is a lot more activity there, and um, you know they're, they are probably even better at treating gunshot wounds. So you, you, it's unfortunate to say that they have more experience or are you know more prepared for that because of the frequency of it in those big cities. So in your role in the emergency department, your mission is to stabilize that patient and either get them ready for surgery or just get them off onto a med surge floor, right? Correct. Yeah, there's a there's a wide variety of gunshot wounds, right? So you have people that are very seriously injured, dying in the moment. Uh, we tend to take care of those right there in the emergency department if they need it. So they get emergency surgeries, uh, very heroic type things to try to save them there in the emergency department. And you know, then there's a spectrum all the way down that kind of keeps going down. We we try to stabilize people enough that they can go to the operating room. That's the ideal is that we can send them with our trauma surgeons and our cardiothoracic surgeons and uh, 
uh, our neurosurgeons, those those very specialist type folks, uh, to go try to fix what's broken. As as you, when you get shot with a bullet, a lot of different things happen, and so it causes a lot of damage internally. Even if you have a small bullet hole, um, that that velocity from a rifle round can cause a lot of damage, and so it. Um, it's important to get those people to the right place. And so that's a lot of what our triage and our job is in the emergency department is to make sure that we get that dynamic. And then you have people that do uh, have minor wounds. It's on an extremity or, you know, they got hit in the chest and it's not dangerous necessarily. Um, and so those people can stay on a medical surge floor and some people actually end up going home. Yeah, outpatient bullet. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty wild to think about. So I talked to Dr. Dan Elliott, uh, and we talked a little bit. You just mentioned the high capacity or high velocity rounds that you know more dangerous guns are on the streets these days. And, and I asked Dr. Elliott how much of a factor is that? Uh, how important is that to know when the patient comes through the door? So the the type of the, the caliber and the, uh, the the larger weapons, obviously, you know, are going to have more power behind them. They're going to be more um, damaging in general. Um, personally, I haven't been seeing that, but I also uh, don't practice at a trauma center. Um, I'm at a large suburban hospital. Um, we do decently get firearm injuries, um, but most of the time, um, they're going to be more of your home weapons, not those large caliber uh, assault rifles and such. Um, but those, those kind of uh, bullets, ballistics, definitely can cause more damage. Um, there's, you know, just more power behind them. There's more ability to cause damage in a larger area. Um, so they're more likely to hit the vital organs um, versus kind of a small, um, non-penetrating, non-exploding kind of ballistic. So last night here in your emergency department, Doc, you said this patient had a transiting chest wound, so the bullet came in, went through the chest, and went out the other side. That sounds horrible, but somehow no vital injuries. So, so that does happen um, a lot of the time. You know, it's amazing how a bullet will move sometimes, or where you get shot at, and uh, people will get. Uh, close-range gunshot wounds, but as he was saying, smaller bullet, lower velocity, and sometimes that bullet uh, won't cause as much damage, even though it's pointed directly at vital organs. So we see sometimes where that bullet will kind of just go around the ribs. So it'll hit a rib and kind of go around it, or um, you know, a bigger guy, it won't even get through their fat muscle. And hmm. so it's, it's amazing that that happens. But on the other end of that, you have these large caliber, uh, high-velocity you know, hunting-type rounds and um, rifle-type rounds that move at very high speed. And that's not going to happen with those type of. So, in the uh, a lot of the street crime that we see reported in Los Angeles and, and other places, Chicago, St. Louis, you just name the city. There, are, it seems as though it's random shots into a crowd. It seems like it's a, a house party that's gone wild. Somebody's you know, and shootings happen. When those types of things happen, does the distance of the gun from the victim influence the nature of the injury? It, it does, and as you get prolonged distances, it surely does. But even with a handgun, so you really have two different types of rifles. So I'll, I'll break that down a little bit. Two different types of bullets. You have very high-velocity bullets, 2,500 feet per second, that if you're hundreds of yards out, it's still going to cause a lot of damage. But 
pistol rounds act more like a knife. It's cutting and pulling the tissue apart as it's going through the victim, and um, and those rounds are traveling at less speed. And so as you get out to 100 yards, they have a lot less damage to them. So if somebody's driving by or down the street and shooting at somebody, uh, you're going to have a lot less damage from that. Still wouldn't want to get shot by it, but sure. you're, you're going to have a lot less damage. So we think about uh, a gunshot wound without thinking about what it's hitting. If it's hitting soft tissue, that's one thing. What happens when a bullet hits bone? Yeah, a lot of times if it is, um, it's going to fragment the bullet, and so it's going to take a lot of that velocity out of there if it hits bone. And so that bone is protective to some extent, but you know sometimes it may just shatter that bone and yeah. cause more damage. And so um, there is kind of a question again. It depends where and what type of bullet you're getting hit by, but um, you know that. You know, if it's in your chest wall and it hits a rib and it stops it, it may have just saved your life, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the whole idea of bullets doing funny things. Uh, tell me more about that. Yeah, what, what have you seen? Yeah, the, the dynamic of, of bullets is really interesting. You're talking about kind of fluid dynamics and moving through tissue and that kind of stuff. And um, it, it wouldn't want to get hit by anything, to be honest. But it it's interesting to see over time when bullets hit car doors or um, and then move through clothes and that kind of stuff. And then it kind of moves. We see sometimes where somebody will get hit right in the chest and the bullet will wrap around the ribs and end up in the back. And you're like, this bullet absolutely went through this person. And then it kind of just went around the tissue. Right, and so why would it do that? It just kind of took the the path of least resistance, at least in that scenario. And then sometimes we'll see a bullet that looks like it kind of went through a leg and came out that, and then there's another bullet hole somewhere, and that bullet actually went in and out, in and out, and uh, you see interesting things like that that happen too, and um, that you know, tells you the power of those those weapons for sure. How important is it to get the bullet out? It's really not that important. There are times where the bullet's in the joint or in a, you know in a precarious place or it's sitting right up against the skin, but we don't really focus on that, um, mainly because you cause a lot more trauma trying to get the bullet out than you would just leaving it where it's at most the, of the time. The body encapsulates that in kind of a scar tissue capsule, right? For so. sure. And a lot of times, it's not just a bullet like you would think sitting um, out of a box. It becomes shattered in little pieces and those kind of things. So you'd be causing a lot of trauma and damage trying to get all those little pieces out. You are likely to be a member of the state legislature in the near future. Uh, Do you have any legislative priorities as it applies to weapons and gun violence? Um, Really... from a policy standpoint, I'm a very much a Second Amendment guy. I believe people have the right to protect themselves. And you brought up the Supreme Court case that just occurred, and mm-hmm. they kind of, uh, well, they very much affirmed that. And we'd like to understand why, you know, firearms inter- injuries happens, whether it's accidental, whether it's gang violence, whether it's domestic violence. That that's the where the focus should be in society is understanding those kind of things and how we prevent those kind of things. We have a, a huge need for mental health resources, mm-hmm. um, and that's a big area to focus on rather than the gun itself. Yeah, you know, you and I spoke briefly before uh, you came into the studio, and and I expressed to you something that I observed over the years and when I was in the news business. If, if you are not involved in gangs and drugs, if you are not at an after-hours club and you're not in some relationship with someone you shouldn't be that causes a problem, chances of being the victim of violent crime in Fort Wayne seem very small. Is Does that confirm by what you've seen? Yeah, and that that's very much our our experience, and I think the police would confirm that. And um, just being in in the, the right places uh, helps your chances quite a bit, right? And so, um, there's... You know, there's very much an association with those kind of activities for sure.
All right. So as we watch all this media coverage of gun violence, let's just you know the reality is if you live life the way you should, chances of being a victim in our town at least are very slight. That's good to know. Dr. Tyler Johnson, thank you very much. Appreciate you being here. Uh, we'll I hope circle back and have another conversation about something a lot more pleasant in the future. <laughs> thank you, Lee. You bet. On the other side of the half hour, we're going to take a look at an interesting effort underway now to figure out why are some people healthy at age 95, 100, 105? What is there about them? And how can we learn from them? And what can ha- help us live healthier longer? It's next on the Health Code Line on WoWo. Podcasts by Federated Media.